This episode of the Detox Podcast is brought to you by Rebel Riot Printing. Celebrating their 10th year in business, Rebel Riot is locally owned and family operated, offering custom printed tees with no minimums and fast turnaround. And by Bitsbox. Bitsbox teaches kids to code. Real JavaScript, real devices, and really fun. Hands down the most fun way for curious kids ages 6 to 14 to learn coding. Use promo code DETOX for $20 off any subscription order of $50 or more. That's D-T-A-L-K-S DETOX for $20 off any order of $50 or more with Bitsbox. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I speak to the voice of Independence Community College Pirates, Jeff Carpenter. You may remember Jeff from seasons three and four of Last Chance You on Netflix, and Jeff comes on to talk about his career, his life, his experience working with Netflix, being on Last Chance You, as well as his perspective on both athletes and student athletes coming through junior college and trying to progress beyond that to the rest of their lives. It's a fascinating conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So stick around. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is the voice of the Independence Community College Pirates, or as you may be familiar with him, Last Chance U Seasons 3 and 4, Jeff Carpenter. Jeff, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks. I am super excited that you are on the show today, Jeff. Uh, being here in Dallas, Texas, I'm used to great broadcasters. Uh, Ralph Strangis of the Dallas Stars, Brad Sham of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm used to the voices evoking a sense of emotion for me. And for me specifically, Last Chance You Seasons 3 and 4 were really the voice uh, that guided me through the season was your voice. And it's just perfect cadence all the way through. So I just, first of all, want to compliment you on having a fantastic broadcaster voice. And, and I'm excited to kind of dig into a couple different topics today. Well, I really appreciate that. That's very kind of you. And, uh, you know, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm excited. All right. So one of the first questions I, I like to ask parents that come on the show is, what do you think makes a good dad? You know, I think really you have to be a good listener, number one, um, to be able to listen to whatever comes up from your child and, uh, you know, the issues, good, bad and indifferent. And, and uh, you know, from listening, you then in turn, you end up uh, being able to offer advice to them, and hopefully it's the right thing, and we're not always going to be able to make decisions for the children, but uh, the reality is we can put them on the right path and maybe make their journey a little bit better, and, uh, you know, you have to be understanding, and, you know, those, a lot of times those things sound simple, but they can be very difficult, unfortunately. Right. Right. No, absolutely. And it's it's so crucial, I think, what we're finding out just day in and day out. You know, I've had several guests that have mentioned this before, that there's no there's no playbook when it comes to parenting. There's no there's no guidebook. There's a you kind of think that someone's going to show you the way. But uh, at a certain point, you realize that, no, we're we're all kind of, uh, you know, 
learning as we go. And, and it's um, the number one thing is we've got to figure out how to be present, how to listen and how to really be attentive to what our kids are telling us they need. And then trying to, like you said, put them on the best path forward. Yeah. And I, I truly believe that Joe. And, you know, the reality is this is such a tough world that, you know, our kids and our children are living in right now. I can't imagine you know, being a teenager now at this point in time, mm-hmm. it was tough enough back in the day when I went through it, but right. you know, uh, things were relatively simple then. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I want to pivot a little bit and talk about, you know, talking about setting people on the right path and the right journeys. I mean, you, you've seen your fair share of, of specifically football student athletes coming, coming through the independence community college program. Then you yourself also were a player and then moved on as well. And I want you to walk me through, uh, what your kind of journey and perspective was in your path and also kind of what you see, uh, this, the teachers and the coaches and the personnel trying to do to set their students up on the right path. Because for a lot of these students, you know, student athletes, the NFL is not the, the end the end results and and a lot of them have a different life post junior college post ICC and so I want you to walk me through kind of your perspective going through that path and also seeing how you know kind of being able to be a spectator of how these different athletes go through the school on the many years that you've been broadcasting well and you know Joe back this late 70s back when I played for the independence community college pirates so times changed dramatically right um, you know, we didn't have, you know, the unlimited amount of out-of-state scholarships and all these high-profile players coming in from all over the country. And, you know, we had good, talented guys, but, you know, a lot of them were in-state guys. So, um, you know, it's a little bit different back then, my personal experience in the playing time and compared to what it is now and what I've witnessed over the last 15, 16 years of doing pirate football. Um I think now the the big thing is modern day time for these junior college athletes and and really any athletes for that matter is a lot of these kids, they're coming in and it's well documented. They're coming from broken families and they have a rough background and maybe single parent. If they even have that, they may have been raised by a grandparent. But, you know, when that happens and they're uprooted from where their home is, wherever it is across the country, and then they're brought to a foreign place such as Independence Community College, they don't know anybody, um, you know, they're going to be feeling somewhat abandoned and lost. And, um, you know, they're searching and looking for, you know, the right direction. And that's really where the coaching staff, um, that's, that's where the assistant coaches, that's where the counselors, the teachers, and really the community in general, where they come into play. You know, we have... Uh, CP3 families, which basically kind of adopt players, so to speak, okay. while they're here going to college, and they'll take them out to eat. You know, they'll help them. You know, maybe make sure that they get to the grocery store. You know, because the college is two and a half, three miles outside of town. Oh wow! So okay. a lot of these kids, they don't have cars. Yeah, you know, they have no way to get anywhere. There's a little convenience store about, you know, 800 yards away from the campus, but outside of that, they have no way to get to town. You know, Walmart's four or five miles away. Right. And, you know, Independence is a, is a small community. We're under 10,000 people, but still in a rural area, a lot of things are spread out and they're hard to get to, especially when you're on foot. So these kids are, again, transplanted in a, in a foreign place, you know, meeting new people, new coaches. It's a whole different world. And a lot of them are away from home for the first time. So I think 
it's such a traumatic experience for some of them that it's not unusual that some of them get in trouble. Right. You know, the, the train goes off the track, so to speak. Um, you know, unfortunately, when you get to junior college at this level, the Jayhawk Conference, which Independence is a part of, is really the elite conference in the country. And the fact of the matter is there's not a lot of do-overs. You know, yeah. the coaches, they try to be tolerant, but the reality is, Joe, they, they're not going to put up with a whole lot. Sure. You know, they, don't, they can't baby 150 athletes. Yeah. And that's basically what you're looking at is, you know, they want you to grow up in a hurry on the field and off the field. And they expect you to go to class, you know, act, act like a decent person, set up front, take your hat off put your cell phone up, just act like you're engaged right. and the teacher will give you the benefit of the doubt. And I think that's the thing, you know, that I see a lot of these kids coming through and I spend some time out on campus and at the college and, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to talk to them and the coaching staff. And, and really most of them, what they're really trying to do is just find their way. Yeah. And all of these kids, they believe they're going to go play in the league in the yeah. professional football. Yeah. They all believe that. And, and that's okay. We need dreams yeah. and, you know, far be it for me to bust that bubble because some of them may slip through the cracks. They may find their way to the NFL. Right. But the fact of the matter is, as you know, and most people know in reality, your dreams oftentimes don't always pan out the way you think they're going to. Right. And you have to have a backup plan. And that's where, and education is so critically important. And that's basically why head coach Jason Brown and his staff, they preach, get it done in the classroom, and then you can get it done on the field because you got to have both of them to make it in life. Right. That is so true. I know that. So growing up, I played hockey and there was a, a moment where I thought, you know, I could, I could go pro. And then it, it quickly, quickly realized that that was not the case. And it was kind of in a moment where I went, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with my life. And it was, it was something where it was, you know, taught that, well, then you need to pursue a degree and that's your way forward. But it's a little, it's a little difficult to try and shift that mindset to, okay, well, everything I've been pouring my blood, sweat and tears into for, you know, 16, 17, 18 years is now something that is not what I'm supposed to do. And it's, it's a hard shift. And I, I can totally see why so many athletes and so many students are not able to, to, like you said, get it done in the classroom because it's like, well, if I, if I don't have this, I'm, it's almost, um, it's almost like, what's my identity if not as an athlete, you know? And I think it's, it's so crucial to have good counselors and good teachers who are able to help say, no, your identity is in who you are as a person. This is just one component of it. But I think it can be so daunting to try and shift that narrative from, no, I'm an athlete first to, you know, I'm Joe or I'm Jeff or I'm whoever. And this is one thing that I do. I think, I, I mean, it's no wonder it's, it's, it's a very difficult uh, world that, you know, we live in where, so many people go in and the funnel gets smaller and smaller and smaller as you get to the league for sure. Oh yeah. There's no doubt about it. And, and, you know, the reality is anybody that follows professional football at all knows that it's such a minute opportunity for anybody to make it to that level. Right. Um, and there's thousands of kids all over the country with that same dream, trying to make it there. And, and these junior college players, such as at independence community college, um, you know, it's a high quality talent 
all across the conference. You're playing against guys all over the country, you know, and, and basically you're going to see a lot of these kids for sure playing D1 football. And right. some of them you may see on Sunday playing in the league. But again, you hit the nail on the head. It's not about what you're really doing on the field. And that's what the counselors and the teachers and, and the coaches, for that matter, try to get across to them is people are going to remember you after you leave right. Penn's Community College. What you did on the field is the reason you're at this school. You hear two play football. We need to have you graduate because if you don't graduate, it's not a successful thing for both both parties. Right. And you know, Coach Brown, he is a stickler when it comes to books. I mean, honestly, he would rather see a kid get a scholarship than make a touchdown any day of the week. Yeah. And that's really what it's all about. You know, these kids are just on loan to us at this school. And it's our responsibility as a school and administration, a coaching staff, to make sure these guys make it somewhere along the journey as smooth as possible, whether it's D1, D2, whatever, and make sure we did what we needed to do to get them off on the right foot and down the road. Right. Absolutely. And you bring up uh, Coach Brown. And so I wanted you to walk me through your perspective and how someone can kind of build a player up, make them resilient for the world before you end up tearing them down. Like kind of where's the line? It seemed like in the show, and I know this is the show and you can't show everything, but in the show, it seemed that Coach Brown always kind of teetered back and forth on that line with he had some players that he built up very well and were super resilient. And then other players that kind of crumbled underneath it. And, 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 and so it was hard to see where the line is. So kind of walk me through your perspective on kind of what you've seen with regards to that, that building them up versus tearing them down mentality. And it is a fine line. Right. So you're absolutely right. And, and as you stated, the unfortunate thing is when it comes to the big screen, uh, reality TV, a documentary, you're seeing what they put together. Sure. They meaning the filmmakers. And, and they only have so much time to put so much of tens of thousands of hours of footage into what you see on Last Chance You And uh, I think for Coach Brown, you know, he's going to treat every player the same. Sure. And the truth of the matter is some of them are more strong-willed. They, you know, can rebound better. Uh, they, they tend to take criticism somewhat better. But the reality is as harsh and brash as Coach Brown comes off, and, and he's a straight-shooting guy. He's very candid about anything right. he says and does. Right. Um, he loves these kids. And, I mean, that's the honest-to-goodness truth of the matter. I've seen it multiple times you know we've had several hardships over the past two years the last chance you filmed at independence it wasn't documented necessarily for the last chance you uh, on film but there were times that players lost family members mm. um you know a sister was killed a younger sister was killed unexpectedly wow. um you know and they were crying to coach Brown and, you know, he's consoling them and he's telling them, you know, I want you to go home and, you know, you need to be with your family. And the kid would say, coach, I can't go back because if I go back, I know what's going to happen. Right. I'm going to fall into the same trap that I was in before. I'm going to be with the wrong crowd and I'm never going to get a chance to get to my dream to play at the next level. Wow. And so coach Brown had to then be, not just a coach, but he had to almost be 
a psychologist and a mentor to them at the same time. And and those are some of the heartfelt moments, Joe, that nobody got to see that. And right. it was unfortunate because you don't see Coach Brown necessarily like that in the you know the last chance you series, you know, season three or four. Um, I think that's something that people unfortunately may never know. Yeah. And, you know, I was fortunate enough because I'm behind the scenes, you know, and I know what goes on and I'm around the team a lot. And Coach Brown and I are, are good friends for that matter. I respect him. I respect what he's done at the program, but I also respect him as what he does and how he works with the players yeah. because he's a player's coach. Yeah. And those guys love him. They don't necessarily always agree with him. And, you know, there's going to be harsh moments and, and there's going to be tempers flare. But that's the way it is. And, and that's just part of a competitive soul. And, you know, these kids, if you would interview all of these kids, you're going to find a very few minute guys that are going to say, no, Coach Brown didn't do right by me, or he didn't treat me right, or I felt I was, you know, jaded somehow, some sure. way at Independence. Coach Brown did his part, and he went above and beyond for a lot of these guys. He would feed these guys at his house on weekends. We would have them over there and barbecue. And, you know, as an athlete, you don't have any money first. Right. You don't yeah. have time to work. Right. And again, you're going to school, you're playing football. And you're going to be hungry 24-7. Yeah. And Coach Brown fed these guys multiple times out of his own pocket, out of his house. You know, so, again, there's so many things that happened that, unfortunately, were not portrayed on the screen for everybody to witness. Right. And I... And that's so true because it, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're out there with camera crews filming everybody, you know, like you said, tens of thousands of hours. So of course they've, they've got to package it all in a way in which it makes kind of a little bit of a cohesive narrative. So of course, but it's really nice to hear these behind the scenes type moments that, that you're right. I don't think anybody's going to get to hear. And so it's nice to be able to, to highlight that at this point. And I, and I want to kind of look a little bit more on, on um, what were some of uh, some other maybe how do I want to frame this how or I'm sorry what was maybe one or two moments that over the last two seasons that Netflix was there that you were really maybe disappointed or a little surprised that wasn't shown that you wish had been shown beyond what you've already said about Coach Brown you know, I, I think some of it is, you know, and I don't know if there's specific things, Joe, that I really remember, but I know sure. like on our bus trips or road games, for example, the camaraderie you have with your teammates, with your coaches, um, you know, just some of the funny things that are said. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's the thing that they weren't on our bus, of course, because right. they traveled in their own vans and, you know, had all their equipment, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the fact is there would be funny things that happened and, you know, you're like, man, I wish, you know, they would have got that on film so people could see this, you know, like right. uh, one of the players mimicking Coach Brown just <laughs> walking from us going into the restaurant and he's standing right behind him. And I mean, he is step for step. He's got the same, you know, 
hand gestures right. and mannerisms <laughs> and you know he's waving his left hand and coach brown's you know waving talking to somebody up ahead and this kid marquise king from <laughs> dallas texas yep right out has he nailed it? man i mean he's like his shadow and and i'm sitting here and we're all dying laughing but trying to hold it in because right. number one we want marquise to continue because right. i mean it's such a great <laughs> emulation and so you know there's certain things like that that you know, may seem kind of, you know, insufficient to some people. But I think the humor that, you know, people would have seen in that and Coach Brown would have laughed at it, too. Right. Because he turned around eventually and Marquise bumped right into the back of him because he was walking <laughs> so close to him. So, you know, right. again, <laughs> Coach Brown finds humor even if people are making fun of him or, you know, imitating him. Because that is, that's the sincerest form of flattery, even if it comes from your star wideout, you know, and he's, right. you know, going through all this stuff. But the kids would always uh, do little stand-up routines and mimic Coach Brown in team meetings and, and, and things like that. And, of course, Coach Brown would say, you know, well, I own a beach house in California and I have three Cadillacs, <laughs> you know, and if you don't want to do it my way, you don't have to do it my way. I'll send you back home, you know. Right. And of course, there'll be some more explicit thrown in there. But right. the reality is these guys, again, watch Coach giving their undivided attention as much as they could anyway. And they would remember that. They would remember his actions, his his speech inflections, and they would get up there and do a stand-up routine, man. And, I mean, it, it was fantastic. It was unbelievable. It was like night at an improv watching <laughs> these guys. And, and, again, those are some of the things that I really remember. Um, it's just the camaraderie and, and the, the close-knittedness between the coach and the players and that was not shown. And, and unfortunately uh, I wish it would have been sure. And I want to know what was, um, what was it like for you specifically to watch yourself on national TV like that? What was that experience like for you? Uh, well, season three, which would have been two years ago, actually, right. 2017 season, uh, was the first year they filmed independence when we had that historic, uh, season. Um, yes. You know, it was kind of surreal, you know, the first time I saw it. Um, you know, you never really know exactly. Well, and, you know, you're in radio, and I'll use this for example. Sure. None of us really know what we sound like until we hear ourselves. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. And at times we're shocked, right? I mean, were yeah. you the first time? You know, right. you, you heard your voice. So it's kind of the same way when you see yourself on on. TV and most of us nowadays, it seems like uh, we're a TV society. We have big screens or a version of in our house. So all of a sudden, I see this huge likeness of me, you know, in my living room, and I'm like, "Wow, <laughs> I got the perfect face for radio, man." To be real honest with you, that's just basically how I look at it. But um, yeah. it is, man. It, it's crazy, Joe. It's it, it's it's very surreal, and then also seeing my hometown of independence on the screen. Yeah. You know, and seeing places that I've seen every day as I've grown up and not thought much about it, you know, you take for granted. And now you see them all of a sudden on Netflix, you know, 175 million people all over the world are watching this. Right. And it's pretty, it's pretty humbling. I think, you know, for me, um, 
you know, the second season, which would have been season four, the 2018 season, um, you know, you get used to the cameras being around and you don't really think too much about it. Um, they actually put a camera in the booth at every game that I broadcast home and away. And, you know, they just basically told me, do you mind if we do this? And I'm like, well, no, if you think it's going to help, you know, the show, that's fine. I'm happy to do it because right. whether you have this camera on me or not, is not going to change the way I call the game. Sure. I only call the game one way and that's the way everybody hears it. Right. <laughs> you know, Exactly. Um, I've done it that way since day one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm an emotional guy. I want people to feel like they're at the game. And if I can paint that picture and they're sitting, you know, three hours away at home listening to it on the radio, but they feel like they're in the second row of the bleachers watching it, then I've done my job. Yeah. And, you know, so I don't, you know, it didn't really get to me at all. In fact, I haven't watched season four. And okay. I'll be real honest with you. I sure. have not watched it. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me and quiz me about stuff on it, about, hey, you know, what you think when they filmed this? And I just tell them I haven't watched it. And it's really just for personal reasons. Sure. Uh, I'm sure someday I will. Um, but, you know, this past season was so tumultuous for mm -hmm. us. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I've lost good friends that have moved on yeah. to other jobs now. Um, and, and coach Brown being one of them. Right. And so it's, it's a little bittersweet for me right now, but, you know, take nothing away from what Greg Whiteley, um, you know, right. and he's such a, a, a uh, director and what he does. And, um, you know, I'm blessed to be a part of it, man. I mean, it's, it's a dream come true for a guy that doesn't have a college education I've never went to school, you know, for radio broadcasting. Anything that I've learned, I've learned by just listening. Right. And, you know, you listen, you pick up on things you like, and you know this yourself. Yeah. And things you don't like, you change, but you try to find your own style. And and that's basically what I've tried to do. And, and I'm just so thankful that I had an opportunity to be a part of it. And, um, you know, it's something I'll be able to share with my kids and my grandkids and, <laughs> you know, yeah. and. It, it's pretty cool, you know. It kind of puts you, uh, you know, immortality, I guess, to yeah. a certain degree. Absolutely. I tell you what, your calls always gave me goosebumps. So it, it worked. It uh, was extremely effective, your style. So, but uh, what I want to know, and I think what a lot of my listeners might want to know, is how did you even get started doing the play-by-play -play for ICC in the first place? How did that work out for you? Well, you know, very unconventional, actually. Um, Many years ago, I don't know, I guess it's 16 or 17 years ago, uh, a few friends of man and myself were sitting around listening to one of the radio broadcasts of the local high school uh, football team. And they were like, oh, man, you know, you can do this. You know, you you could do this better than this guy, you know. And I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know, man. And I was like, he's, <laughs> oh, he's doing okay. He's doing fine. And, you know, they kept kept at me, you know, and then throughout the night and then and they're like, well, you know what? You're just scared to go up there and do it. You won't do it, but we know you can do it. And so it was kind of like a dare in a reversal way. Okay. And so the next morning I went up to the radio station and met with the general manager at the time, whose uh, name was Patty McCormick, super, super great lady. And she was real um, 
patient and understanding when I went in there because I just popped in unannounced and I said, you know, I think I might want to try to do your play-by-play for your games. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, do you have any experience? And I was like, uh, none, no. <laughs> and she says, well, let's do this. And it just so happened, um, you know, there was a game on, a college game. I think it was a Kansas game on. And she says, I want you to go and watch the Kansas game tonight, and I want you to audio record it in your play-by-play voice and how you would call the game, and I want you to bring that back to me tomorrow. And I was like, okay. So I did it. I took it in there. She listened to it and and evidently thought I had a little bit of talent. And basically that's how it happened. And that's how it started. And I started doing high school games uh, with my son, Kane Carpenter, who now does the Independence High School Bulldogs. And I was then also doing the junior college games because I was doing play-by-play. He was doing color commentary. Okay. And we did that many years. And then finally, I was like, you know what? You need your own gig. I'm going to step away from the high school. I'm just going to do the junior college. Sure. And so that's how it happened. And, you know, man, it just, the luck of the draw, you know, when uh, Coach Brown came to Independence as the coach of the Pirates and last chance you decided this is the guy and the team that we want to cover for seasons three and four. Mm-hmm. Um, Tammy Romstead, the athletic director for the college, said, well, we have our voice. We have our guy <laughs> and we want him to do it. And so, again, Greg Wiley, super good guy. I mean, I think the world of him and, you know, he gave me such a really nice compliment um, after season three was done. And he said, man, he goes, you, you got a lot of talent. He goes, I'm really impressed. And to have somebody of that stature tell me that. Yeah. That meant a lot to me. Sure. And, you know, I've never been shy, Joe. That's one <laughs> thing. I mean, I have a lot of faith in my, in my, my talent, and, and I believe that, you know, I can do whatever I set my mind. And that's what I try to tell, uh, you know, these players. Is have your dream. Chase your dream. You have to have that. Um, you know, don't worry about failing. You know, because along the way, there's going to be enough people that are going to tell you you can't do something. You know, right. you need to prove them wrong. And, you know, you never know what will happen when you give it your best shot. And, and so, you know, I, I've been really blessed and fortunate, man. But that's how I stumbled into it. It's by sheer accident. <laughs> I didn't, again, I didn't get a college degree in education, unfortunately. And, and I certainly didn't have any radio communications degree or broadcasting or anything like that. I'm just a regular guy who really likes sports. I've been involved in playing it, listening to it. (laughs) And I love listening to radio because to me, those are your best broadcasters. Those are the guys that paint the picture and girls, you know, I don't want to leave them out. Um, They paint the picture for people and, you know, nothing against the TV, uh, you know, broadcasters, but it's a whole lot different when you're doing TV compared to doing radio. Uh-huh. And, and I'm very fortunate I've been able to do it. Absolutely. What has been, I know it's probably very difficult, but what has been some of one of, or maybe one or two of your favorite moments calling the ICC football games? Uh, you know, I'll tell you what, man, uh, season three, the game against Coffeeville, uh, <laughs> which came down the conference championship, our first one in 30 years. Um, and I don't know if you remember, but kind of just to recap those last 
two or three plays at the end of the game when Coffeyville was knocking on the door, getting ready to score. Mm -hmm. And um, they ended up having like three different uh, opportunities uh, to get the ball in the end zone. And then they even had a half a second left. Right. You know, and one last gasp try. And that there really sticks in my mind because I can remember looking at the scoreboard after the incompleted pass prior to the half a second left on the clock. And I looked at my son, Kane, who was in the booth with me doing color. And I just shook my head and I was like, I can't believe this. Because <laughs> Independence and Cobbville are such huge rivals. Right. And I'm like, how can there be a half a second left on the clock? Who is running the game clock? <laughs> I mean, you're playing yeah. at home for right. crying right. out loud. Right. Usually you get the benefit of the right. doubt right. when you're at home. Yep. Yep. And we're down to half a second left, and they've got another shot to win the game and yep. take the title away from us. So yep. that part, I remember a tremendous amount of it. And, um, and then, I guess, quite honestly, probably the most eye-opening or jaw-dropping uh, moment was uh, in season three uh, when Independence was playing at Dodge City, and mm. you know, where there's only about 20 or 30 seconds left. And, and Rakeem Boyd tried to get it in the end zone, the ball popped up in the air and flew into the hands of Aaron Reynolds, our big offensive lineman, and he scores the winning touchdown right. for us. But you know, you don't see that happen very often, but right. that game there, getting that win on the road against Dodge City in the way that we did, I really think turned the tide for us in in 2017 and propelled us on the amazing winning streak that we went on and uh, eventually you know had that uh momentous season you know nine and two and then we went our first bowl game ever which yep. was really exciting in itself and um you know so again i i've kind of been on both ends of the spectrum joe right. i've been kind of at the pinnacle you know, when we have the great nine and two year in 2017 and, and I've kind of had the deja vu when we finish it two and eight in 2018. And, yep. um, you know, and I got to thinking, my gosh, I've been here before and I've done this because I was right in the middle of broadcasting when we are 21 game losing streak too. So, right. you know, man, it's, it's the ebb and flow of sports and that's the beauty about playing the game. Right. Well, as we're starting to, to near the end of this, I, I wanted to get your perspective on, because there's lots of parents that listen to it and maybe lots of parents that are hesitant or maybe not hesitant about getting their kids involved in sports. And I wanted to get your perspective on what has been your experience with the positivity of uh, sports impact on kids uh, from a parenting perspective. You know, I think the thing about getting involved in sports, you know, there's several good things, in my opinion, that come out of it. One is, again, the team camaraderie mm -hmm. that you get from being around other individuals and all working toward the same goal. Right. And, and that's something that you can't, you can't fake with anything else. There's no other substitute other than team sports for that. Right. Um, I think it also builds character. Um, and, you know, I think that's important, obviously, in every walk of life. You're, you, you build character. You get more confident. Um, again, you rely on teammates to help you when you're not having a great day or a great game. But then again, you might be the guy that ends up being the person that carries the team at a given time when they need an uplift. So right. I think it's, it becomes 
you know, a situation where you can truly be not just the consummate team player, but you can ultimately find somebody within yourself that you may not have realized even exists. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that happens as it evolves throughout whatever sport you're playing. And a lot of times we find out stuff about ourselves by accident. Yeah. And team sports is an amazing thing because anybody that's ever involved in it and goes through it, they look back at it. It's like a high school reunion. First thing you do is you run into the guys that you went to school with you haven't seen in years, and they all talk about, hey, remember that game you know, <laughs> that we played so-and-so and you did this or I did that or something? Those are the moments that you can never recreate. And if you didn't have team sports – you're not going to be able, you know, to have an opportunity to live that right. and to experience it. And, and I know, you know, football is a dangerous sport and people can get hurt playing football and, you know, the, you know, the, the concussions and, mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff that goes on and that are publicized. But the truth of the matter is you can get hurt, you can get injured. Unfortunately, you can get killed on any given day right. doing nothing. And I think what it comes down to is you really have to understand you only have the opportunity to be in team sports one time in your life. And that's right. when you're growing up. Right. And that's what I tell kids. Play as many sports as you can. Don't try to select yourself to just one sport and specialize in it because you're going to look back at it years later and go, you know, I wonder how it I'd, I'd have been if I played basketball mm -hmm. or baseball or soccer or whatever it is. Play them all, play them to the best of your ability, and enjoy every single moment of it because it only comes around once in a lifetime. Yep, absolutely. Jeff, thanks so much. We're going to pivot to my favorite segment of the show, which is the dad joke of the week. It is a segment where I hurl jokes at my unsuspecting guests and try to get them to laugh while the audience groans, but I can't hear the audience. I can only hear my guests. So it works out for me, but I always like to uh, pitch it to my guest first. Uh, Jeff, do you have any dad jokes you would like to offer up? <laughs> I really can't think of any joke, it's quite okay. honestly. It's okay. I always spring it on it, and I'm always surprised Maybe when I someone has say it. none of them I can say on a family program. So. Fair enough. Well, I've got two. I've got two, and I got some uh, football-specific ones that I tried to get for this episode. So uh, the first one, uh, Jeff, uh, what kind of tea do football players drink? Wow. What kind of tea do football players drink? I have no idea. A penalty. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, man. All right, all right, all right. right. <laughs> I'm gonna throw a flag. Right. On that one, brother. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I got one more. Just one. <laughs> just one more. All right, uh, uh, Jeff. Why was a tiny ghost asked to join the football team? Wow. Why was the tiny ghost asked to join a football team? You got me again, Joe. I don't know. Well, because they needed a little team spirit. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I know. <laughs> those are bad. I like those are bad. It. Those are bad. All right. Well, well, Jeff. Uh, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what is the best way for them to do that? You know, you can catch me on Twitter. Um, my username is We Want a Natty. Um, you can find me there. I'm also on LinkedIn under Jeff Carpenter. Um, 
you know, I do, I do have some, you know, play by play stuff out there on YouTube. Um, and actually if you go to my, my Twitter page, you'll see it. It's linked on my profile Twitter page. You can click right at, right on it and you'll be able to hear some of my, uh, blast from the past, I guess, uh, from play by play when I've done high school basketball and football and stuff like that. So, Perfect. you know, either way is great. You know, I welcome everybody, you know, to follow me and, um, you know, it's the fans why I do what I do, Joe. And, you know, like I say, if, if I can make their game more enjoyable, then, uh, it's been all worth it to me. Perfect. Well, I will definitely link all of that in the show notes, and uh, we need a hashtag for this episode. Uh, Jeff, should we just use hashtag last chance you? I think that's great, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Perfect. sure everybody can resonate with that, and it's it's something easy to remember. Perfect. All right, well, Jeff, thanks so much, and listeners, we'll be back next week with another great conversation to help you detox from parenting, and until next time, hashtag last chance you, and hashtag be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.